Well, good morning once again, everybody. Again, it's great to have you here this morning. There's nothing like a little Rudy speech on a cold uh, fall day to get us going this morning. Whether you are a fan of sports movies or a fan of Notre Dame, that movie you know that maybe you've heard of and maybe you haven't transcends that. If you know the story at all of Rudy, this college football player at Notre Dame, it's not really about sports. It's not really about football. It's actually about dreams. It's actually about passion. It's actually about calling and the unmistakable callings that God places on our lives. Rudy, the young man that you saw given the speech there in the scene, is remembering this speech from a great Notre Dame coach that he memorized growing up, where from the, from the moment that he could pick up a football, from when he was Lillian's age, uh, he wanted to play football at Notre Dame. That was the calling that he felt like God had placed on his life, and nothing, he wasn't going to let anything get in the way of that. And so there he is, and he's not quite into Notre Dame yet, but the closest he can get to the football team at this point in the story is just being on the maintenance crew, as you can see there with his friend Fortune, just dreaming, knowing that this is where he's supposed to be, an unmistakable calling. And you may not realize it or make that connection, but I see such purpose and calling in who God's called us to be as a church as well. God has given us a calling. And when I say us as a church, I want you to know this morning that means you. Sometimes we get the idea when we come to a church, and a lot of you are new as we are continuing to grow as a church. Maybe for some of you, this is your first time here today, and you're saying, Oh, they're going to be talking about them. As if there's you and then the rest of the church that's really the church. But when I say us, I mean us. I mean all of you. Whether this is your first time here or your hundredth time here, you are welcome. We are so glad that you're here, and you are more a part of this then you know. God has given us a vision. God has given us a calling as a church as well. We've been talking about that these last few weeks that we've been talking about this giving campaign that we're in right now and how God is continuing to move in this permanent facility that God's allowed us to have. We have this calling. We have this vision. In fact, it was a couple years ago I was really trying to hone in on this. My wife Tiffany and I were at a a retreat and just taking a little bit of time off to uh, rest and reflect and dream about the future of the church. And we were just kind of sitting around there on the couch and just lounging around. And out of nowhere, Tiffany says, hey, John, what, what's your dream for the church? Like we get so busy in our lives and I get so busy leading and doing things during the week and it's really easy to get tunnel vision that it's important that all of us, not just pastors, but all of us once in a while take a step back and say, am I on the right track in my life? Or am I just busy? Because busyness doesn't mean productivity. You do know that. Busyness doesn't even equal impact for the kingdom when we talk about it in, the, in the, our lives of faith. And so Tiffany asked me, John, what's, what's your dream for the church? Like, what, what's your vision for, for Hope Des Moines? Not, not just your vision, but, but as you listen to the congregation around you, as you have coffee and lunch and dinner and you talk to people before and after the service, what is the heartbeat of Hope Des Moines? What are we about? And maybe somebody has asked you that question before. What are we really about? And it didn't take me long. I grabbed a, a napkin is the closest thing I had and a Sharpie. And I wrote this down on that napkin. And I want to show it to you this morning. Let's read this together nice and loud up on the screen. Imagine a community where thousands of the broken, the hurting, the complacent, even those burned out on church could find compassion, healing, grace, and be transformed and sent out each week with a renewed passion to reach out to the city with the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Two minutes later, I just wrote that down, and she said, you got to share that with people. (laughs) 
you got to share that. And I even stepped back from it because it was just kind of on the top of my mind, the top of my heart. And I stepped back and the first thing that came to my mind was, I think that's worth giving my life to. Do you ever have those defining moments in your life where you were doing something and you realize, this is what I was created to do. This is why God put me on this planet. I'm not going to waste any more of my life going through the motions. And I had that moment when I wrote that down on that napkin and said, this is where God has placed me. This is the time. These are the people. You are the God that is going to make this happen. That's worth rearranging my schedule for. That's worth making sacrifices for. That's the calling that God has placed on us as a church. And it's not my vision. It's not uh, Hope's vision. It's God's vision. It's God's mission for us. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1. He's writing to the church in Ephesus there, and he says this. I urge you, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I urge you, not I suggest to you, but I urge you, I plead with you, Paul says, listen to me, focus in on this. You have been given a holy mission, a divine calling to not just go through the motions and play church and play religion, and maybe that's been some of your experience in the past. But this is different, God says. This is my mission, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Live your life in such a way that you know that you know you are a part of something eternal. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. Because the truth of the matter is, if you think about it, a hundred years from now, none of us are going to be here. Lillian might be. She'll be in the front row because she's going to be a good, good kid growing up. Uh, she might be right there. But for the rest of us, right, maybe a few of the kids that are in the nursery right now, they'll be around. But for the rest of us, we're not going to be here. And I wonder as a church, what will our legacy be? What are the stories that our kids and our grandkids and their kids are going to be telling about 2016, about these days? What, what are we going to be about as a church to know that 10, 25, 30 years from now, the things that we do today in this campaign are going to make an impact so that all those years later, not just hundreds, but thousands of people are going to be worshiping, maybe not just at one Hope Des Moines location, but in various locations around the city as various services and worship services and ministries spring up all over the city. This isn't just a, a building, if you think about it. This is a home. This is a, a church home that many of you have had a hand in building where your kids and your grandkids either already have been or will be baptized where they're going to grow up and go to the nursery and go to Sunday school and experience you as adults pouring into them and nurturing their faith as we talked about this morning. They're going to get confirmed. They're going to graduate. And hopefully someday they'll come back here. And maybe 25, 30, 50, 100 years from now, they'll be thumbing through our, our scrapbooks and our archives or on their you know, screens or whatever they have. And they'll be looking through the scrapbook and looking at pictures of these days. And going, wow, they thought that was in style? Wow, that's terrible. You know, maybe not that, but hopefully... Hopefully, they'll be thinking, wow, I'm so glad that there were some people at Hope Des Moines in 2016 that were thinking forward, that were more passionate about the people that aren't here yet than they were about their own comfort and safety. Following Jesus doesn't mean life gets easier. Following Jesus means life is worth living. And we've discovered that as a church, that we don't put the blinders on and think about just what's in it for me with this whole church thing. We think ahead to the thousands of lives that are going to be impacted through the things that we do today. 
What are you going to do this week that's going to matter for eternity? Is anything that you're doing in your life right now going to outlive you? Or is death just kind of the end? But when we get hooked up with Jesus Christ, Christian means to be in Christ, that you are in him. We are promised that our lives are going to make an eternal impact. Because death is not the end of the story. Setbacks and obstacles are not the end of the story. What are you doing with your life that's going to matter for eternity? What, what are you doing that, that is going to be a part of building God's kingdom? What if, what if they were looking back on this time and they were able to say, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad they didn't settle. I'm so glad that that church that Hope Des Moines back in 2016 didn't let any obstacles get in their way of the vision that God had called them to. I'm sure glad that they didn't let a boulder get in the way. A boulder, which you know if you've been here the last few weeks we've been talking about, represents this debt, this loan that we have on this building that, that took to, to purchase this building and to renovate it. And we have this outstanding loan. So we've conquered one boulder, which was having our own facility, but there's this other boulder that is really standing in the way of where we've been, where we are, and, and where we want to go. It's, it's in the way. Particularly this interest that we continue to just shell out every single month, but I just can't help. What if that didn't have to go to the bank? What if, what if we paid down the loan so much that so much of that interest we could save every month that could go right back outside these doors to people that truly need it? That we would continue to not just tithe as a church, which we already do, to 10% of everything that comes in goes right back out. If we ask you to tithe, we're going to do it too as a church to our mission partners. But what if we could give even more away? What if we could give even more away? What if God could free us up from that so that we're ready? If you haven't noticed, we're out of room in a lot of ways. God's grown us. We've been here for two years. This isn't the end. This isn't where we're going to stay forever. There might be future buildings. There might be future growth. And we want to be prepared and freed up for that. But I have to tell you, to stop at this part and say, Three years ago, when we were thinking about having a permanent facility, and I was like, oh man, that's going to cost some money, isn't it? <laughs> and that means I'm going to have to talk about money, which is every pastor's favorite thing to do, is to preach about money, not. And I'm like, oh man, I don't want to do that, and here's why. Because the very people that have been burned by the church when it comes to money the very people that have been manipulated or had somebody twist their arm or had guilt and pressure put upon them, and that's one of the reasons that they're not at church, those are the exact people that we exist for. We exist for people in this city that don't know Jesus and don't have a church home. That's why we exist as a church, for people that aren't here yet. And I was dreading talking about that because I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be one more pastor at one more church that just lays more guilt and pressure on people. If there should be a zero pressure, zero guilt place in your life, it should be the church of all places. And over the last couple of years, I started to pray about that, and I asked God to, to soften my heart, and I heard loud and clear that he said, John, this isn't about money. This isn't about a building. This isn't about campaigns. This is about my calling on you, the people, God's people as a church. This isn't Pastor John's idea. It's not our senior pastor, Pastor Mike's idea. It's not the church council's idea. They never came to us and said, well, you know, you're a fast-growing church in the city here, and you have your own space, so you should probably do a giving campaign now. It's not any of that. I, to be honest with you, I just, I'm standing up here today telling you God is changing lives, and you hear stories about that every single week, and I'm just going to shoot straight with you here this morning. I want to be a part of that. God is changing lives, and I just want to keep up with what he's doing in this church. 
and a building is a, is a tool, a way of getting on board with God's mission. It's like God is in this giant speedboat and making these huge waves and, and, and darting in and out of the ocean, making these huge waves for the kingdom. And he says, hop along, grab your surfboards, and let's go along for the ride, Hope Des Moines. I'm doing amazing things. It's not my mission. It's not your mission. It's God's mission. And he's inviting us to be a part of what he's already doing here in the city. It's almost like we're on a mission from God. I mean, we're on a, a mission from, from God. Like these guys. Check it out. Yep. We're on a mission from God. It's just like that. That's what we've been called to as a church. I mean, minus the cigarettes and the, the drinking and the, the getting chased by law enforcement and getting arrested. But other than that, everything is the same with the Blues Brothers and Hope Des Moines. Can't you see the connection? We're on a mission from God. In your best Chicago accent, turn to the person next to you and say, we're on a mission from God. Just tell them that right now. We're on a mission from God. You better believe we are. It's not us, it's him. We're on a mission from God. And to just help you get a little bit of perspective with that this morning, it's, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than any of us, but I wanted you to hear from some of our own. I wanted you to hear from some of the people that have been a part of Hope Des Moines for a long time. And what you may not realize is that from the beginning of this campaign back in 2013, this whole thing, this whole process, the campaign, the build-out, the renovation, all of this has been led by you. It has been led by volunteers and this wave of the Spirit and this move of God, this mission that we're a part of. And so back in 2013, there's four people that, that, that took on the challenge of being our volunteer campaign directors, and they led this whole charge to make this happen. And as we kind of officially wrap up that part of the campaign today and move into this extra year uh, now of the campaign, I wanted to recognize them and honor them and have them share a little bit about what God has done in their lives. So would you give a loud, boisterous, Hope Des Moines welcome to the McCords and to the Armstrongs? Come on up, you guys. Absolutely. They're going to grab some stools and get in place here. Every time we do this and that people bring up stools, um, here you go, I'll trade you. I feel like we should do a game show right now or something like that with these guys. That would be, that'd be a lot of fun. But what you may not know uh, about these four folks in particular, here, David, I'll hand you that, um, is that uh, they have been a part of Hope Des Moines, what used to be Hope City Branch way back in the day, uh, from the very beginning. Uh, they were a part of Hope City Branch before I was. Uh, they've been here for a long time, but they're still so young. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, in terms, they're just young spry bucks up here. But uh, they have been uh, able to see Hope Des Moines' growth from the very beginning and to offer uh, that perspective. So I just wanted to give you guys a chance to share uh, this morning just a few questions for you. But as you look back on the last two or three years and since we've got this building and what you've seen God doing in this place, what he's been up to in this mission, um, where have you seen God at work and, and how important is having this space to that mission. We know it's not about the building, but how important is this space to, to accomplishing that mission that God has for us? Bill, you want to lead off on that one? Take a shot at that. Yeah. Uh, uh, first off, good morning, church. <laughs> um, three years ago when we kind of started on this process, one of the things that John really emphasized was that we are the church, the people are the church, and we're the ones that go out, um, and the building is a building. So, so why is it important to have a building like this? And I think over the last couple of years, it's been, it's been pretty evident. Um, the first thing I think is that uh, it really shows that we're making a commitment to the community itself, that we're, we're gonna be here. We're not gonna be leaving another week or a month or something down the road if it just didn't work out. 
Um, you know, we're, we're not just, uh, this isn't just an experiment that a mega church out in West Des Moines thought they'd try and see how it works out. <laughs> we're going to be here. And you know, I, I think that's important. You, you see that uh, as I was driving here this morning, went by a couple places where uh, people are worshiping in, in temporary spaces, and that, that's great. But you just never know, you know, how long are they going to be there? Where is, is it going to work out to be able to stay there? So, again, that, that, I think that's really uh, proven out to be important because, as, as John yeah. was talking about, I think we have about three times as many people worshiping here now as two years ago when we started. So, again, that, that, I think that's important. Yeah. The other thing that's I think great. is just it uh, just facilitates the people going out, the church going out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fact that... Uh, you know, I, I drive by here, I work downtown, I drive by here going home, and there's always cars here. There's always something going on, <laughs> different groups meeting or other things that are happening. And so it just makes that uh, possible where, you know, when we're at Hubble, basically we could do things on Sunday morning. Right. And you know, they, they were great about it, but that's, all, that's mm-hmm. always there. And so, you know, personally, uh, one of the things that I'm involved in a little bit is uh, with the uh, Wiz Kids on Thursday night that uh, Katie leads for us yeah. and, and does a great job with but for those kids to know that every Thursday night they're going to have a place to come hmm. where, where people are going to care for them be safe yeah. uh, that's, that's very important and uh, you know those same kids come to VBS yeah. lots of things so yeah. I, I just think it's really important that we're here and I think it's really really come through in the last couple of years yeah that's awesome Thanks, Bill. Yeah, Val, you want to add anything to that? Or? I, yeah. Well, I would add about yeah. um, Breakfast Club. Um, yeah. We did Breakfast Club at Hubble, too, yep. but it's been great to be here just in the downtown, in the middle of the city. Yep. You know, we've got apartments and um, um, the shelters yep. and workplaces. Everything's here. I mean, it's just great to be right in the middle. And yep. um, we've, we've noticed that, we, well, you can't help but notice. Um, so in addition to the folks that come on the buses for yeah. Breakfast Club, Tons of people just walk here, you know, from wherever they are. And before we start serving at 7.30, we've got, um, this morning we had, um, as you mentioned, 40, 50 people come before we even, you know, before the buses even got here at 7.30. So that's that's a product of being... Uh, here where we are, yeah. so that's that's really cool. Besides Absolutely. all the cool stuff that goes on during the week, and the little kids in the preschool, and all the fun yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. the building's getting used, no doubt. Yeah, that's I'm, not. I kind of miss having a, people in my living room. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lie about that. But we that can was, still do that too. Yeah, that was fun too. Yeah. If you want to know where the church started, it was in their living room and and yeah. their dining room <laughs> table. So, um, at, next question, kind of turning the theme a little bit, as you guys think about. What God has done in you personally these last three years? Yeah, you've been leading and doing all these things and involved in the church, but um, in, in, a, in a personal sense, what have you sensed that God is, is uh, doing in your hearts? As you think about uh, getting, is that me, Ed? No? Okay, we're good. Um, as God has been working in your hearts, what has he taught you about giving? What has he taught you about, about the joy of uh, getting beyond yourself and thinking about giving and, and how, what certain perceptions that a lot of us have are maybe thinking, I don't know about this whole tithing thing. I, I don't know about this whole uh, giving thing. Is, is that important? Should I be a part of that? What would you say uh, God has done in your hearts and taught you about giving? I guess anybody can start out with that. Yeah, there you go. Um, I was just thinking that um, was on the leadership team when we first started mm-hmm. and just saw that we always let out in prayer. Every decision was let out in prayer. And then I felt as though God was beginning to speak to us, not in our minds, but really directly in, which was quite an interesting experience. And through that, I saw 
that, um, well, what I can't see, which is I'm not a good vision person, <laughs> but that people, that we could see together, yeah. that we could imagine this place and that the, the things that happened because we were all working together, was, that was amazing to me. And I was so glad there are all these talented people. Yes, yeah, absolutely. David, how about you? What would you say? Uh, I would say the giving campaign in particular has been a great lesson in faith and trust and um, letting go. Um, yeah. And if you feel called to give a little bit beyond your comfort zone, by all means, give into that. Yeah. Because uh, you, if you take that step of faith, God will definitely continue to provide for you. And um, letting go of the money is, is good practice uh, because really uh, it's not your money. Yeah. Once the money goes to the church and you see the blessings that um, God works with it, uh, you will realize that uh, you are only holding the money temporarily anyway um, and that God has wonderful uses for it. And yeah. it, um, it definitely increases your faith to, to give the money see the blessings, and still, uh, you know, that you're okay financially. Yeah, yeah, and I know, David, that was a, a big thing for you as well and what God has done in your heart personally. I know that was stretching <laughs> for you, so this isn't like hypothetical things that you're thinking of. I know that was a, uh, a conversation between you and God that uh, he, he rocked your world a little bit, and, and God does that to us uh, personally. And so as, as you guys kind of turning our thinking now to uh, anyone that might be here today that's just thinking, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, I, I come once in a while, but I don't feel as much a part of this. I haven't been here from the beginning uh, as you guys have. What would any of you say to somebody sitting here today that's just kind of on the fence saying, I don't know if this, this, the campaign thing, or not just giving financially, but really of our time and our talents, all the gifts that God's given us, what, what would any of you say to somebody that's just sort of on the fence with whether to, to get involved and to be a part uh, of his family here as a church? What would you guys say to that? Well, I would analogize it to being in the cereal aisle of the grocery store, John. Okay. Where I, where I, I, get, I get perplexed in the cereal aisle because there are so many choices, right? And just like there are so many faith choices, but there are so many choices. And so you could spend 15 minutes dithering about what to do, or you could commit to the grape nuts and go have breakfast, right? That's a real, that's good. I'm going to write that down. That was really good. Yeah. And... and and I would say, uh, if, if you've been here and you're thinking about committing here, uh, really, you should. Because I know uh, I have been, and I imagine a lot of you have been in churches where the working of the Spirit of God is not nearly as evident as it is at hope, any branch of hope, but this branch of hope in particular. Um, and so this is not a perfect church. It may not be absolutely the perfect way you wanted to worship or this or that. But hey, get on your surfboard, <laughs> ride the wave, uh, and commit. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Anybody else want to chime in? I'm just going to say yeah. there's lots of opportunities to be with other people in community, serving others, and that's exciting too. Yeah, absolutely. Val? Join a life group. <laughs> <laughs> I love my life group, and I know yeah. anybody who's in a life group or any kind of a small study group or whatever, um, it just it means, it means a lot. It adds a lot to your life. Um, Personally, I've you know, been through a bit of a rough patch here with my health, and I just can't tell you how much it means to know 
that you have people who know you, who love you, um, who know all your stuff, and um, they're praying for you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. And I, and I know it seems like a big step, but sometimes getting in a group to serve, you know, that's a good way to put your toe in the water and yeah. you'll meet some people and uh, you'll find a group, you know, find a group that way or ask around ask anybody who has a lanyard yeah uh, they'd love to hook you up with a, with a group of people it's as we get bigger and bigger i feel like that's going to get more and more important for people to find a smaller community within the community so that you can come to church and know some folks and um have a place to you know go hang out with people during the week too yeah absolutely that's my yeah that's so good. And, you know, what these guys uh, are, are very humble about is what God has done uh, through them. But so many things behind the scenes, uh, not just the four of them, but so many of you in this whole process and the people that worked on the actual building and behind the scenes with a campaign that have been here for many years, we would not be where we are without you. We were sitting here doing this last night at the Saturday service, and I think we just realized this wouldn't exist if, if it wasn't for many of you that have worked behind the scenes to have a space where we can have a Saturday night service even. So God continues to grow us and change us, and I just wanted to publicly honor and thank the four of you for everything that you did and all the things that you've done that nobody will ever know uh, to make this happen and for being uh, available to Jesus. So would you thank them uh, with me this morning? Absolutely. And here's what I love about uh, the four of them uh, in particular is that they, they are really humble about this, but uh, they're not necessarily like financial guru, gurus or anything like that. They're ordinary people that I met here eight years ago that God has done incredible things through. And the thing that I want to say is like, I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for what God has done in their lives. I'm thankful that they love Jesus and that they're passionate about him and that they took that leap of faith and that they went all in on that because they didn't have to, because there was a lot of boulders standing in their way. There was a lot of obstacles standing in their way. But because they took that leap of faith, they got to experience the joy of getting in the game, of being on the front line of God's mission. I think so many people watch Christianity. I think so many people watch church. And God has given us the opportunity to be faithful stewards of the life and the time and the energy and the money and the resources that he's given us, and he wants us to use that for his kingdom. I don't want you to miss out on the joy of giving, of getting in the game of life and in the game of faith. And nobody knows that better than Rudy. You know, as the story moves along, he gets into Notre Dame, he gets a spot on the practice team, and then finally his life's calling, his life's dream comes through and he gets to actually suit up for a game. And we're going to pick, up, pick it up with this next clip here where there's 90,000 people in Notre Dame standing, chanting his name, Rudy, Rudy, calling him to get into the game. Say, be who you were created to be. And that's the call. As you watch this video, it's not so much about football or about Rudy. It's about the calling that God has placed on us as a church to get in the game. Let's take a look. God wants you to experience that in the kingdom. Because this isn't a game. This isn't just playing church. This isn't just playing religion. He wants you to experience the exhilaration and the joy of getting in the game and being the church and being on the front line of ministry. And yet, and yet, some of us will face obstacles, just like Rudy. Rudy was five feet nothing. He was a hundred and nothing. He had no speck of athletic ability, but he did not let that get in the way of him and the vision that God had given him of his calling. 
And so for us here this morning, we have this obstacle, we have this barrier, and for some of you, it's personal. For some of you, you're sitting there and thinking, yeah, I, I don't know if God's called me to that either, and there's some things that might be getting in the way. And for a lot of us, it's, it's as simple as this. I'm new, <laughs> you're thinking. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a few weeks I've been coming here, a few months I've been coming here, and now all of a sudden there's this giving campaign, and they're talking about three years ago. I can't even remember what I was doing last week. So how can I feel a part of this? I, I pop in and I pop out, but nobody really knows if I'm here or not. I just kind of come in, do my thing, and I leave. You're way more a part of this than you know. You're family. And when you're a family, you belong. I was thinking about it this week with our family. It's my wife and I and then our three-year-old Caleb and Evie's a little bit over one and she's leading a Bible study for one-year-olds in the nursery right now. But uh, as a good pastor's kid, uh, she's over there right now. But wouldn't it be ridiculous if we went to Evie and said, you know, Evie, you're kind of the newcomer. You're kind of new to our family. You're kind of new to our community here, our community of four as a family. And so you're, you're more of a JV member uh, of our family here because you're the most recent addition. The rest of it, you know, we've been married for eight years. I mean, you know, Caleb, he's three, been here for three years. You're kind of the newcomer, so you're not truly a part of the family yet. No, we would never say that to her, right? She's not a junior varsity man. She's on the team. She belongs to us. And that's what God is telling you this morning. You belong to each other. I know you don't want to do it, but just kind of look at the people next to you right now and just kind of smile at them awkwardly. <laughs> just make them feel really uncomfortable. You are family, whether you want to be or not. You are brothers and sisters, and you belong to each other. Church is not an event that you consume. It's a family to whom you commit. And God is calling you to be a part of that this morning. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Again, to the church in Ephesus there. Let's read this nice and loud together. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul says in a healthy family, in a healthy body, everybody contributes something. Everybody has a role to play. Nobody's just sitting passively by saying, well, I'm just going to take it all in and let other people be in the game. No, you're in the game. And you can choose whether to be aware of that or not, but biblically, you are a part of a body. And we are only as strong as the individual members and parts of that body. Not one part less significant than another. For some of you, that's your obstacle today to getting in the game and getting involved with this campaign. And getting involved with the church in general. Yet for some of us, you're not in the game today because your biggest barrier is that you don't want to be disappointed one more time by a church that mishandles money. You, you, you have been in that place before where you're saying, you, everybody knows, you know, Hope's this big growing church, and as the church gets bigger and grows more, all they want, all they want is bigger buildings and more money. Nothing could be further from the truth. We want you, and we want to help you discover why God created you and why he put you on this planet, what he created you to do. And more importantly, God doesn't want your money as much as he wants your heart. Because how we give is an indication of the health and the condition of our heart. God wants you to be a generous person, not just once a year on Thanksgiving, but all throughout the year to be a part of his body. And so that's why our theme, this whole campaign, has simply been pray about it. There's no guilt. There's no pressure. Pray about it. It's what we heard read in our scripture today from Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Have you ever prayed about how you're supposed to use your finances? Have you ever prayed about how God might want you to use your house to further his kingdom? to build relationships? You ever prayed about your job? Well, for that matter, have you ever prayed for your spouse? 
You ever prayed for your kids by name? You ever prayed for your grandkids? You ever prayed for the church? You ever prayed for your pastor? Please, we need it big time. You ever, <laughs> you ever prayed for God to open up your heart? That whatever wounds or baggage or bad experiences you've had with religion or church in the past, that he would come and he would shatter those so that you could experience why you were created, to be a part of something bigger than yourself that's going to last. So pray about it. Pray about it. That's why you will never feel any sense of guilt or pressure from anybody a part of this church when it comes to giving. Your time, your talent, or your treasure. It's a get to, not a got to. We give out of the joy and the overflow of our hearts. That's why our books are 110% transparent. You can look at them anytime. You can see where your money is going. Myself or any other pastors have never known, do not want to know, and will never know who gives what. That's not my business. That's between you and God because it is an act of worship. And we pray, as David said, that you would respond in obedience, that you would give no less than he's calling you to give, but that you would give no more than he's calling you to give because it's not about guilt. God doesn't need our money as much as we need to give because it's good for us, because what we were created to do. And that's why kind of our central verse for this campaign has been uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Paul's writing to the church there in Corinth, and he says this. Let's read it together nice and loud up on the screen. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful. Have you ever put those two words together? Cheerful, a joyful giver? Some of you, that just doesn't make sense. There was a couple years ago, we were doing one of these recommitment campaigns, and we were inviting everybody to come up, and some of the kids will come down and do that a little bit later here. But this family came up together, and they had three kids. And, you know, young families, when you have lots of kids, they're hard to keep track of sometimes, and you just kind of maintain a perimeter around here. And they had the two kids kind of maintained, but then the youngest kid was coming up behind, and they were filing in line here for their processional offering, and they kind of lost track of the last kid, and he just put on a show for the whole congregation and gave us a demonstration of joyful giving. He kind of did this little dance sachet thing up to the offering basket like this. He was just kind of doing his thing. He took his own offering and he spiked it in the offering basket, looked back at the congregation and just gave a huge fist pump and went, yeah, like that. And I'm like, what a role model of joyful giving. That's what I'm talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He didn't worry about what people thought. He said, this is between me and God and this is a celebration because it is so much more joyful to give than to receive, to, to, to get rid of it. It's not ours anyway. It's God's. Give generous giving a chance. Let God fill you with joy so that your giving is an overflow of your heart. It's a get to, not a got to. It's the overflow of your heart. And some of you are saying, oh, John, that's great. That's awesome. That's a really cute story. But here's the reality for me. The biggest barrier, the hurdle that I'm facing this morning, we're not at a place where we can give. We're just barely getting by, and now you're standing up here saying, oh, man, now I feel all this guilt and all this pressure because I can't give to the campaign. Don't. Don't even entertain that idea for one minute. If you cannot provide for your family or take care of your basic needs, do not give to the church. That is not our heart whatsoever. Take care of the people that God has placed in your life. And some of you are there, and some of you can give, and you're not. Some of you are at a place where you can give more than you're even giving, and that's why tithing is a spiritual discipline. It's saying, I'm going to take the first 10%, biblically what we learn in the Old Testament, reinforced in the New Testament by Jesus, our, our first fruits. The first 10% of everything that comes in goes right back to God 
And then if you think about it, how generous God is, he says, here, here's 90%. <laughs> I trust you. You're my family. Be good stewards of what I've given to you. And if you can go beyond 10%, go beyond 10%. Listen to God. Be obedient to him. Pray about it. Ask him what you're called to give. And that's why it's a discipline. That's why it's a three-year campaign, and now we're kind of doing another one-year campaign to continue to pay down this debt, is that it takes that long to develop a habit. Nobody goes from sitting on the couch to running uh, a marathon the next day. You train for it. As any spiritual discipline, and I would be remiss if I stood up here and told you about, you know, you, could, you should read your Bible as a follower of Jesus, and you should pray, and you should go to worship, but don't worry about that tithing thing. That's just for some people. It's for everybody. It's in the Bible. It's what we're called to do by God. It's our calling as a church, and it brings us joy. It's a get-to, not a got-to, so train yourself in that. You should see how full the gyms are going to be here in the month of January, right? January 1st, everybody, right? January 10th, right? And that's because it's hard. It's a new thing, and if it's a new thing for you, give it a chance. Learn the discipline of generous giving. Let it free you up from worry and from fear and experience God's joy. If you need help with that, that's why we offer classes, Financial Peace University, on a regular basis to come alongside you and say, we want to help you learn how to steward these gifts that God's given you biblically. Let's do money God's way. And yet it would be (laughs) sad if you left here today thinking that, well, that was all about money. Because there's one thing, there's one gift that all of us have the same exact amount of time. We all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in the day. We all have seven days in a week. And give or take 70, 80 years of our life. What are you doing with it? What are you going to do that's going to matter for eternity? Every single one of us has time in our days and our weeks. Every single one of us has talents, gifts, ways that God is calling us to serve. And that's why on your card, if you want to take those out this morning in your your, uh, flyer and your envelope, everybody take those out and just look at that card for a second. If God's calling you to give financially of your treasure, do that. But it's our time, our talent, and our treasure. For some of you, God is calling you to serve. He's been nudging you to serve in a certain way in the church for a while, and you just "Ah, keep putting it off, keep putting it off. There'll be a better time. When is that better time going to be? Today is the day of your salvation, Jesus says. Today is the day to get in the game. Today is the day to discover why you were created. So that's why there's a spot there so that every single one of us can participate in this. Now, don't all come up at once, but all of you can have something to bring today. Every single one of us should bring one of those cards up as a get-to, not a got-to, because God has given you gifts and talents. Don't underestimate your gifts. This building would not exist. When we started doing this project People that never thought they had a place to serve in the church found a place, found a home. Carpenters, plumbers, people that did drywall, people that did painting, people that cook our meals, people that make the breakfast, that make the coffee, people that greet you with a warm smile or a warm hug or a handshake in the morning, people that are working with the kids or in the nursery right now, people that are working with our students during the week, people that are teaching classes and and hosting groups for Alpha or for Core, people that clean this building every week, people that serve, people that love, All sorts of people have found their place in God's story. And this guy just can't wait to come up for the offering. So there's just all sorts of ways to plug in, and I don't want you to miss out on that joy. And so as we get ready to close, I I want you to pray about that. I want you to listen to God. And if it's financial giving today, that's great. But if it's not, every single one of you has a card to bring up. 
every single one of you, God has given a, a, the same amount of time and a talent to use for his kingdom. But we're not talking about a, a game, getting in the game. We're talking about real life. And that's why for the last eight years, God's been changing lives. And I wanted to give you a picture of that as we take a look back in time of the amazing eight years that it's been as a church. And I watched this, the little slideshow we put together for you to some music here. I can't wait for the next eight years of what God is going to do. This isn't about money. This isn't about a campaign. This is about a movement. It's a mission from God. And he's inviting you to be a part of it. Let's take a look. What a ride that it has been. And would it make you feel any better if I reminded you that this is a holy thing that you are a part of? And the amazing thing is that God has done all of that through you. Through you. And God has used you in incredible ways, not by standing on the sideline, but by taking a leap of faith and getting into it. And the truth is, greater things are yet to come. I believe it that the next eight years are going to be just as good, if not better, than the last eight years, and that's hard to imagine. God is calling us. God is calling us. God is calling you. Will you respond today? And so if you would, if you would take out that flyer and that card, and just as you start to pray and reflect on what God is doing in your life, what would it look like to respond in faith to that. Whether this is your first time here today or your hundredth time or anywhere in between, this is for every single one of us to pray about, God, what are you calling me to bring to your kingdom? My time, my talent, my treasure. Don't worry, there'll be other time to give. You can give online, you can give in the back, you can bring it by anytime, but right now on this giving Sunday, pray about it. Pray about it. Ask God, what are you, what are you calling me to give? My time, my talent, my treasure. The worship team's gonna continue to lead us in worship and we're just gonna pause and reflect. And when's the last time you took a couple minutes and just rested in God's presence? God, would you give us wisdom? Would you impress that on our heart, what it is that we're called to give? Not out of guilt or pressure, but a response to the joy that you've put in our lives. And in a little bit, we're going to have you come up just as you're led by the Spirit. And there's baskets on either side of the stage. And if you would just drop off your envelope again, every single one of you can come up. This isn't about money. This is about our offering to God this Thanksgiving to say, we're so grateful for the gifts you've given us now here. They were never ours to begin with. Come experience the joy of giving. Come on up, drop it off, and then you'll want to stick around because we are going to close the service in style. But I want you to know this this morning. After all of this and all the nuts and bolts and logistics, I, a couple weeks ago I was raking leaves with our son Caleb. And you were on my mind. Because <laughs> I'm watching him and I'm thinking to myself, I'm so, I'm so proud of him. Just because of who he is. And we're raking leaves and as fast as I can rake them he's destroying them and messing up the piles and jumping in them <laughs> and I was getting a little upset with him and I said Caleb <laughs> leaves are to be raked I said something leaves are to be raked in a pile they're to get up we put leaves in the bag this is to get it done this whole process is to get the bags in the leaves and he goes no daddy leaves are for fun 
leaves her for joy. And some of you are looking at this right now going, this is an offering. Giving is for fun. Giving is for joy so that you can make an eternal impact. And I just looked at him when he said that and I said, Caleb, I am so proud of you. What a great reminder. And it was like God said, tell him that. Tell him that. What am I thankful for this Thanksgiving? I'm thankful for you. It's an honor to be one of your pastors. It's an honor to be on this mission with you. And I can't think of anything better that we could do with the days that God's given us than to change people's lives forever. And he's inviting you to be a part of that, to write the next chapter of this story together. So the band's gonna play, and when you feel led, everybody can bring up an envelope this morning. Head back to your seats. Don't go anywhere, because we'll end the service in style. Let's move that boulder. Really, let's move that boulder. Let's be the church.